What does flying an airplane have anything to do with technology sales or success in venture-backed tech companies? Listen to Brian Bell, CEO of Sports Engine, describe it in this episode of the Tech Sales Insights Podcast. People often ask me, like, how does flying airplanes, how does that help me or how does it map to my career in the kind of venture-funded tech world? And I think that probably the biggest lesson is this concept of, you know, keep flying the airplane, keep flying the jet. And, you know, you can get into some pretty crazy situations flying tactical airplanes. And you have to, like, take the maybe the motion out of a really crappy situation and just kind of work through it and turn it into kind of a puzzle. And then whether it be really crappy weather and you're trying to land a force ship, your fuel tank explodes and you have to do a flame out landing. I mean, I can just give you a number of things that happened to me while I was flying. Business is a series of crises and things that you're managing. And I think if you just look at, you know, for me personally, if I just kind of thought around like looking at it as a puzzle or a problem to go solve versus like tying a lot of emotion to it. Welcome to season two of the Tech Sales Insights Podcast. I'm David Noor, your co-host. Let me ask you, what lessons have you learned from the global pandemic? How is the nature of technology sales evolving in your organization? And what new skills and traits will enable you, your team, and your organization to remain relevant? These are just some of the conversations the sales community founder, Randy Seidel, and I have each week with fabulous guests this coming year. This podcast and the sales community is all about your transformation to a more data-savvy selling pro, given the expedited trends of working from anywhere, more sophisticated remote selling, and increased reliance by the entire sales organization on digital ecosystems. Join us each week as you explore digital skills, a relationship-first focus, and a personal brand committed to exceptional experiences. Randy and I will interview sales professionals, managers, and leaders on how they're thinking and leading differently in the tech sales evolution. So let's get started. Our guest today on the Tech Sales Insight podcast is Brian Bell, CEO of Sports Engine. Randy, what can you tell us about Brian? First and foremost, the energy level that he has is uh, contagious and really amazing. I'm sure he'll uh, tell us about his distinguished career in the uh, Air Force and, and flying F-16s, but really impressive is him transitioning uh, from the Air Force into technology and his first career at uh, Storage Networks. And what's really been amazing for me to watch him kind of pivot and weave from just a lot of different diverse environments, besides uh, Storage Networks, that went into Dell, where he became a senior executive there, and then went to uh, some other startups that I'll tell you about, and uh, now is a very impressive CEO at uh, Sports Engine, which is actually a division of, of NBC. So if you think about transitioning from military into tech, now into a sports tech company. Uh, amazing that he's been able to do all that. And uh, on a personal note, I'd, I'd highlight he's uh, probably one of the most aggressive and uh, I might say crazy skiers uh, that I've ever been with as well. Sounds great. Look forward to hearing more from Brian. Absolutely. Welcome back to another episode of the Tech Sales Insights. My name is David Knorr. I'm your co-host along with Randy Seidel. And I'm elated that our guest today 
is Brian Bell, CEO of Sports Engine. Brian, welcome. Wow, it's great to be here. Thanks for the opportunity to uh, spend time with you and my good friend, Randy Seidel. It's great to have you. So, uh, Brian, for those that may not know as much about you or Sports Engine, can you talk for a few minutes about your background? You've got a fascinating set of experiences, and then would love to learn more about Sports Engine. Sure. Yeah, I guess I've had a little atypical career. After college, I went into the military. I actually went to Air Force Academy and then grad school, and then actually flew F-16s in the Air Force, kind of deployed around the world. Pretty awesome, you know, first chunk of my career. And then after that, through a securitist path, ended up in venture-funded tech and kind of been in, started my career more in sales and marketing and go-to-market. And then uh, the last couple of companies more around kind of executive management, chief operating officer, president, and CEO. So that's me. And then a little bit about Sports Engine. It's a great, it's a great company. Sports Engine is, serves this, it's an intersection between tech and sports. So we basically provide kind of a tech stack for uh, youth amateur sports across the U.S. and Canada. Think about everything you need to run a youth sport organization. You need to collect payments. You need to communicate between coaches and moms and dads and moms and dads and other moms and dads. You have to run large tournaments. You have to do you know all kinds of other things around travel, insurance. So those are all the kind of capabilities we kind of bring to the marketplace. It's a, you know. It's about a $15 billion marketplace, and uh, I think we're pretty fortunate to be the market leader, and we're acquired by NBC Sports a few years ago. So number one, thank you for your service at the Air Force. It's a valiant kind of career, and, and I got to tell you, I'm envious. Ever since I was a kid, I wanted to be a astronaut, and uh, I was headed to the Air Force Academy until we figured out I needed glasses. So mm-hmm. you're not going to fly jets doing that. And then you mentioned what your brother was at EMC, and he was making too much money. Is that is that the story? <laughs> Yeah, my brother was at EMC with Randy. I think they were two, knocking around as uh, young sales reps at EMC, and our lives couldn't have been more different. You know, my brother, uh, who was the one who introduced me into my next step in my career, but yeah, my brother was selling uh, storage system against IBM sales reps with Randy, and I was over in you know Iraq and Australia and everywhere else flying airplanes. And you told me it was a big leap from leaving the military to go join technology and business. How did you learn about business? You know, I think a lot of us have been really fortunate to have like mentors in their lives. And you mentioned one of them, one of my biggest is my brother. And so I don't know, I've always looked at, it was a big, you know, most guys fly airplanes, the natural progression is to go into the airlines, which is an awesome career. And I don't know, I think my brother kind of challenged me around like, what do I really enjoy? Like running teams kind of a little bit around kind of the opportunity to kind of explore the unknown and kind of seek a new windmill. And uh, so ended up, maybe I think it was probably overly confident it would be easy and just jump from flying airplanes to sales right for a tech company. In fact, it was my brother's tech company. So talk to us about the startup world versus a large enterprise company. How's the dynamic different? Talk to me about the investors and their expectations and what's your experience been like? So I think the guidance, pull this thread, David, is I think from a sales rep standpoint, if I look at myself as a rep, you know, I always get questions, hey, should I start my career like in a a larger organization, enterprise sales or working for a five-person startup, what's the best? And I think it really depends. I think there's a lot more training and a lot more process, bigger company if I was a younger rep. But I think the opportunity to kind of quickly kind of gain responsibility and different experiences I don't think anything compares to, uh, you can go from a rep, shit, I compel, and I was a, I was a first sales rep, ended up running sales in two years. 
So I think that's an opportunity you only have when, you know, in, in a startup, early stage startup, in fact. And I would say the things that I've learned is especially kind of private tech companies are all around. I think the investors really are looking for growth and a growth story. And especially the acquisitions that I've been a part of as part of a large organization, a lot around EBITDA and cash and profitability, which is a little different way to kind of manage a business than, you know, pure like growth and market share. In uh, thinking about where you've been, what you've done in your career, are there two or three highlights that you feel like has had a profound or really lasting impact on you? Yeah, I think there's a few. People often ask me, like, how does flying airplanes? Like being in the Air Force, how's that helped me or how's it mapped to my career in the kind of venture funded tech world? And I think that probably the biggest, probably one lesson is this concept of, you know, keep flying the airplane, keep flying the jet. And, you know, you can get into some pretty crazy situations flying tactical airplanes. And you have to like take the maybe the motion out of a really crappy situation and just kind of work through it and turn it into kind of a puzzle. And then whether it be really crappy weather and you're trying to land a four ship, your fuel tank explodes and you have to do a flame out landing. I mean, I can just give you a number of things that happened to me while I was flying. And I think now when I look in business, business is a series of crises and things that you're managing. And I think if you just look at, you know, for me personally, if I just kind of thought around like looking at it as a puzzle or a problem to go solve versus like tying a lot of emotion to it. So I think that's the first thing. Maybe the second one just ended here is I've just been a huge uh, fan of, I think my success in my career has really been around inspiring people to do, to do great things and to really lead people from a sense of kind of really mapping to what drives them and basically looking at your success through how do I map what we need to do as a team to the individuals that are working for me and the individuals working for people that work for them. And really, I think I've always, that's always been something that I've been really kind of a North Star for me. There's a lot of stuff I learned in my career, but those are two that just stand out. I'm thinking about it right now. Those are two incredibly valuable ones. You mentioned Sports Engine is really the tech platform for parents and kids and sports teams and coaches and so on and so forth. What are some of the trends you're seeing in this pandemic? I, I think, you know, more of the club teams, have they completely stopped or have they slowed down? Or talk about what, what are the top two or three trends you're seeing out there? Yeah. Well, I tell you what, April, May was just a really a tough time. Everyone, everything just kind of shut down. We saw it in our whole economy and sports kind of no exception there. And then kids were kind of like, you know, everyone had a really close kind of you know, quarantine, home quarantine. And then I think there's now a realization that we have to have some interaction and there needs to be some outlets, especially for our kids. So I think now there's more of kind of a buyer beware. People know what they're get, getting themselves into when they sign their child to play sports. I think the sports have figured out a way to basically manage as best they can and, and kind of mitigate some of the uh, concerns and some of the challenges. So I think we're kind of to a, like a new normal, which isn't quite the, the, the participatory levels as the past. But I think families are finding a way to kind of make this thing work. That's probably one trend. The second trend is there's a lot around esports. You know, most there's like 160 million people in the U.S. who play video games, about 106 million who play multiplayer video games. And so most student and child athletes are also, you know, they're also gaming um, at home, whether it be in the basement or wherever. And I think we're seeing that emerge as more of a becoming a little bit more mainstream. So I think there's a big opportunity around kind of gaming 
as maybe a portfolio of activities that kids do. Given these trends in the pandemic, if you had to shift your, either your organization or how have you shifted the organization's focus or go to market or any of those efforts? Yeah, we had to shift a lot because w- one way that we shifted was to we're both a B2B company. So we're selling to these youth sport organizations across the US as well. But we're also engaged with moms and dads. And I would say the lion's share of our kind of marketing outreach has always been to the organizations, you know, whether it be, you know, your local hockey program or soccer program. But I think we found the opportunity to engage directly with moms and dads and provide kind of activities, things, tricks and tips. What can they be doing with their kids in this crazy situation? And that kind of change in voice has been super helpful to us as a business. And I think has like uh, increased our engagement kind of both with organizations and their members and their moms and dads. So I, I would say that was one way we shifted. The second one is getting tighter around some of our operational. We're really kind of a, you can think of us as a vertically integrated payments company, like a ver- vertically integrated Stripe or Square. And so we had to get pretty creative with how we can ensure, you know, refunds, and things that happen when a mom or a dad can't participate in a, in a particular uh, organization where they've already paid their kind of their membership fees or the registrations. So that was a big challenge for us to find a way to make sure that we can get these dollars back in the hands of our moms and dads. It's a huge operational challenge for us. I think we came out pretty well kind of in partnership with our organizations. Brian, in, again, teams you've led, are there some attributes that, that really signify a, a very strong sales rep? What are some of the things that you look for in whether, you know, sales reps that call on you or sales reps you interact with or been around or you, you've hired? Let's start with sales reps that call on me. You know, I get, we all get reached out a lot. And I would say that, like, you have to kind of, and I'm not trying to be like cocky or anything else. I'm just, like, if you want to get my attention, imagine me as just a proxy for, for any kind of executive. Like, it's really like, do your homework. You know, like, find someone that knows me. Find something that's relevant to me that's really personal. And you kind of, maybe because I was a former sales rep, you kind of like, you pique my curiosity to learn more because you've done some homework. And so I would say that's my tip to a sales rep who's trying to do a cold call or connect with, a, with an exec in a mid-sized company. So as far as people that work for me, I always kind of go back to a couple of things around, around this concept of a, just a couple of what I call maybe kind of timeless characteristics or of someone who's been pretty successful. And the first is around urgency. I think great sales reps and great leaders have a very, very high sense of urgency, coupled with a strong sense of ownership, like not passing the buck, owning things. You miss your forecast or you, you miss something, you just own up to it. You put together a success plan for the future and you go. Teamwork, sometimes it's not just winning, but it's how you win. And that's really important to me. I learned that through a former CEO of mine uh, here in Minneapolis. And how you win is as important as winning with integrity and pulling people with you versus you know, stepping on people's shoulders to, to get where you want to get to. And now I wrap that up all with this kind of with this relentless thirst to win. And because winning is a game, whether it be football or anywhere else, the game of inches. And at the end of the day, winning versus losing is sometimes really just who wants it more. Who's doing that last email at 11 o'clock at night after to put their kids to bed and thinking about a particular situation. So those are some you know, ideas I have around what you know, makes really successful people. Let me, uh, would you change your answer or how would you change your answer if I asked you about sales managers or sales leaders? 
I think a lot of that rings true, but I just think it's, you probably have a different, a different stakeholder you're thinking about. As a rep, I'm thinking about deals with my customers. As a manager, you're also thinking about deals with your customers as well, because everyone's, everyone's selling all the time. But there you're also thinking around like, Hey, I have Johnny, Sue. I have five to 10 people on my team. How are you thinking about them? Are you seeing the business through their lens? And how are you developing and, and cultivating them? They become as important. They, they have to become as important as any particular deal. One of the typical challenges you have with a top salesperson becoming a manager is while they're still own their number, they're not developing and managing the talent. And so I think that's, you have to, you're fighting like two battles all the time. One is revenue, revenue production. The second is how's my team doing? Do I have the right team? Am I inspiring them? Am I serving them as much as they're serving me and helping me hit my numbers? So I'd say that's a, a very typical problem I see with especially first-time sales managers. You brought up in our last conversation that you had gone to the, the military, the Air Force Base Library to read up on HBR and Wall Street Journal and, uh, and the different roles you've had over the years. That How are you learning and growing amid this pandemic? That's great to think about that. So on the personal side, like I, I do think you have these times in your life where you know this is significant. You know, for everyone, it's a huge impact, and you know a lot of people are really hurting right now in many different ways through this pandemic. But you know, when I spin it to a positive, I think, hey, if I come out of this pandemic, how am I going to come out better? And so I've had some personal goals around like you know fitness and things like that. So that's I think one way I'll be better is I'll be more well rounded with how I with physical activity, which is really important to me. A big part of my life. I would say the other area is around just always being a student. Like I think, and I just try to been, I've tried to listen a little bit more through this pandemic and uh, around there's ways you can learn all around it. You don't have to listen to a podcast, which is great. You can do that. But people that, you know, you're interacting with and whether it be, you know, people that work for you, people that you work for, other people in the industry. I've just been trying to be a little more thoughtful because I have a little bit more time on my hands to kind of really think and listen and just try to kind of open myself up more for like ideas that may not be ideas that I would have thought much about before. So I know that's a high level answer, but I think that's where I've been spending my time and where my North Star has been over the last, you know, seven months. Can you think of a past manager that or a piece of advice or coaching that really has guided the way you lead? Yeah, I don't know. One stands out to me just thinking about is, is Phil Soren. Great. If you're from Minneapolis, you know Phil. He was the co-founder of Compellent, a company that happened, which was a great kind of, kind of helped launch my career and data storage company, competitor with EMC back in the day. But I remember Phil, like there's a lot going on in our company. We had a very early days. We actually were sued by another company. And I think it was touch and go around kind of IP infringement, which was, it was a baseless claim, but, but it was pretty tough days. And I still remember Phil every day, like checking in with the uh, front desk with our receptionist and probably spent like five minutes with her every day, you know, just kind of checking in on, on her. Also, he spent time checking in with some of the cleaning crew every day. I always saw that. And I always said, man, that's pretty awesome. And I do the same thing now, but, but I'm probably in some ways emulating Phil. I think that stuff's really, really important more than people would ever know so you mean touching base with folks that you know yeah. they can do for you or somebody yeah, that nothing that, you, you need by? nothing from them right like and they may not be that important to your day in terms of of 
achieving what you're trying to get done. But they're team members. They show up every day. They do a lot of work behind the scenes for your company. And just the kind of the concept that everyone's kind of rowing the boat together. Everyone on the team is pretty important. You have to, I think, especially as a leader, you have, you have to spread that around. You have to kind of live that with kind of almost like every waking moment, right? So Talking about a lot of what sounds like servant leadership, you brought up Minneapolis. Obviously, the George Floyd incident was Minneapolis. Brian, how did you deal with that? How did you deal with the team and, and kind of have that really tough conversation around race and race you know, equality? Yeah, David, that was, a, that was something that, man, I could spend an you know, hour talking about that. I know we don't have an hour. So it was a eye-opening event. Um, it should have been an eye-opening event, you know, a long time ago for me, but uh, it was a big eye-opening event. So I'd say from the company standpoint, there was first that just kind of safety of the team. And we, you know, we have a big chunk of our team lives within probably, you know, whether it be a block or a mile from when, where George Floyd was murdered. So there was kind of the kind of the kind of the crisis management, but on a much larger scale has now been, you know, are we, you know, are we as good of an employer as we thought we were in terms of really building a company that that is great for everyone? And uh, I think it's been a real challenge for us, rightly so. And I think I think we now put together a a, a plan called Sports Engine Better Together, and it's kind of multi prong around one, you know being more involved with our local communities where we have offices. Second is how we look as an employer ourselves. What does our population look like, our employee population? When we have a job opening, are we working uh, to ensure there's a you know, diverse slate of, of qualified candidates? I think that's probably one of the biggest kind of opportunities for the future. And then third is, you know, we're in a pretty unique situation with software and sports is how can we use Sports Engine as a platform for change? So a lot of, especially in a lot of kind of inner cities with um, a disproportionate number of kids of color, how do we get them involved with sports around? It's all around kind of equity around access to equipment, access to fields, access to coaches. So we're, we're, we're working hard to put it, get our national program to try to work to get, you know, thousands and thousands of kids involved with sports that otherwise may not have the opportunity. And you played sports. I played sports. Randy has, you know, quite a lot of people that listen to this podcast can remember a great coach or a great team or great interaction. And so we're working to, you know, to help kind of maybe make a small kind of cut at this kind of systemic racism with, you know, equity around sports. What a great set of uh, priorities and values with, with your efforts. Kudos on that. So what top three advice would you give Brian Bell of 20 years ago or 30? Like, what, what do you wish you knew other than maybe the uh, Apple or Tesla stock? What would you wish you knew 20, 30 years ago? Hmm. I would say, I don't know, looking back at my career, I would say one of the biggest lessons around that is, you know, this concept of, you know, I was pretty hell bent as a 25 year old or 30 year old kind of damn the concept, just get to the result drive to the conclusion, drive to the goal. And I think that's super strong quality of mine. I think there's probably more collateral damage than needed to happen. I think probably sometimes I probably wasn't, probably didn't reach across to different parts of the organization, probably pissed off finance, probably, probably wasn't always marketing's favorite, favorite person when I was a young, a young sales rep. 
And I think that's probably one of the biggest things I've learned subsequently is like pulling everyone together for the outcome. It's going back to the idea around it's not just winning, it's how you win. And that probably took me longer than I would like to have, have happened around, around really thinking around, hey, I'm, I'm being successful, but how am I being successful? So um, that's probably number one. I would say the uh, um, probably other ones are some stuff we talked around, this concept of kind of listening a little bit more versus speaking. Um, this podcast is a lot of list, a lot. We're, I guess I'm listening to you, but I'm doing a lot of speaking here, but just by nature of the format of what we're doing here. So I would say that's the second thing. And then third is probably this concept of gratitude and really stopping to thank and in a meaningful way, send notes and really sh- express gratitude to people who are kind of helping, insisting you along your kind of life's journey. I think that's something I would have probably been more active with as Brian Bill of 20 years ago. I think we could all be more active with all of those even now. So yeah. thank you for those. For our last question, I'm going to give you an option, either a great story about Randy Seidel. It's always, those are, there's a plethora of those, right? There's a lot of those we could have covered. Or, or give us a glimpse into what do you do for fun outside of work? Oh, my Lord. I have a passion for skiing. So is Randy. So I'm not going to have any Randy stories. I don't want to. I am I paying cash. I'm offering cash. No, I'm going to keep my Randy stories. So I will keep them. If anyone wants a Randy Seidel story, you can uh, grab a beer with me or your favorite drink, and I'll give you a Randy Seidel story. <laughs> Yeah, my passions I've kind of is a lot of backcountry skiing. I, I think I'm so plugged in all the time through work that actually when I'm not working, I like to spend time actually by myself, like Nordic skiing, backcountry skiing. I do a lot of cycling. And I, that's, I think it's really important for people to find something that they can like really seriously charge up because sales, especially with the sales audience, is a grind. And I think it's super important to find the outlet that works for you and to make it like almost your number one priority or number, you know, outside your family and maybe your faith. Okay. Call it your number three priority, but, it, but a very high priority. It's been always been a big priority for me. You've been listening to Brian Bell, CEO of Sports Engine. Brian, thanks for your time and insights on the Tech Sales Insight Podcast. Oh, it was awesome. Appreciate the time, David. If you've listened to the Tech Sales Insights recently, you've heard that we're adding a ton of content, best practices, and are scheduling regular virtual sessions such as Tuesdays with Tony and your 10x interactive online roundtables I'll lead each month. Randy and the sales community team have done a fabulous job attracting over 200 CROs, VPs of sales, and thousands of sales professionals, managers, from global tech companies. So we invite you to jump in, ask questions, start conversations. Make sure you attend some of these events to elevate your thinking, expand your perspective, and extend your network with other tech sales professionals. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Brian Bell. Fun fact, Brian's brother is Peter Bell of Amity Ventures, our episode seven guest. So if you didn't catch that episode, you may want to go back and listen to Peter's insights. Uh, Here are the three nor notes as summary insights you can immediately apply in three minutes or less. I really appreciated Brian's comment and hence the title of this episode of Keep Flying the Airplane. Regardless of the obstacles, challenges that come your way, you've got to find ways to keep going 
learn from each opportunity, grow through each interaction, and keep flying the airplane. So if you haven't made the time, make the time now to capture some of the lessons you learned from this past year, from the pandemic. More importantly, what can you immediately apply to think about and lead differently in this new year, in this next year? Number two, love Brian's comments on traits of great reps, high sense of urgency. Every minute of every day matters. Do not wait till end of the month or end of the quarter. How do we get things done sooner than later? Love an acronym an old manager told me, W-A-I-T, wait means we are in trouble if we're waiting on something. Sense of urgency doesn't wait. Keep moving things forward. Ownership. Do you own it or are you just collecting a paycheck? Act like it's your job, it's your team, it's your organization, it's your company. You have to have a sense of ownership and teamwork, right? Not just how do I win, but am I winning with the right team on folks on the team? And am I winning with the right way? So this relentless, what do you say, thirst to win? is incredibly admirable in every sales professional I've ever met. Number three, difficult conversations, right? When I found out that Brian is based out of Minneapolis, I had to bring up the George Floyd conversation. And it's one example of difficult conversations we've had in the past and you're going to continue to have in the future. So you cannot run away from them. You cannot shy away from them. And the best way I found is just be candid, be transparent. I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is, but this is a difficult situation that we're going to have to walk through and talk through together. So those difficult conversations are going to come up again. The sooner you learn how to embrace them and how to have those conversations with your team, I think the more impactful you're going to be. Don't forget three quick points. Randy Saddle and I host each week's guest on a Twitter chat. So search Twitter for the hashtag tech sales insights for the latest updates. Number two, we turn the show notes from these podcasts into more in-depth articles. So check them out at salescommunity.com. Number three, our next guest, Peter McKay, is CEO of Sneak. Stay updated at salescommunity.com slash events. Randy Saddle and I had so much fun that we're back for season two. We're so thankful for our listeners on the Tech Sales Insight Podcast. I want to keep producing great content you want to hear. So we'd love to hear your feedback in the Sales Community Podcast thread or simply email podcast at salescommunity.com. Topics, guests, or other topics, other issues you want us to tackle in the evolution of technology sales. Also, don't forget to follow the sales community on various social media channels for our latest updates, including the weekly Twitter chat, the Q&A we host on Twitter, using the hashtag TechSalesInsights. Insights.